Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. Spirituality and Metaphysics Talk Radio, featuring a course in miracles, dream interpretation, guided meditation, and the psychic and metaphysics free-for-all. It's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium, discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious structure, cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host, Charlotte Spicer.
I, I'm actually very fond of it, and I will be putting it up on my uh, website under the uh, media and interview section. It was titled Cupid and the Groundhog, um, Romantic Love and Hiding from the Light. And we looked at the various ways that we tend to respond to light um, and the consequences as modeled by the groundhog and by the uh, the, the legend of Cupid and uh, Psyche. It was a lot of fun. And then an afternoon workshop where we looked at the nature of the self. Who am I? Who are you? You know, the self and relationship. Um, so a lot of fun there. And uh, I'll probably do that one again uh, sometime for sure. Mm, sounds great. Sounds really great. Yeah, I'll have to yeah. check that out. Okay. Well, we're we're digging into Chapter 12, the Holy Spirit's Curriculum, which is, you know, one of our really most impactful uh, discussions because it really gets to the core of people's unhappiness. Uh, do you want me to kick it off, or did you want to share some thoughts? Um, You know, maybe I'll – because you, you read one of the – you know, we both zeroed in on the, uh, the same phrase, uh, the same lines in the first paragraph of the section. But, you know, just to start off, in general on these, uh, these shows, we've been talking more broadly about Course in Miracles topics. So this is actually going to be the first time where we really dig into the actual language and meaning of, of a specific section – um, in my local study group uh, here in Princeton, New Jersey, this is what we do every week. Picks a section, uh, we go around the room reading it aloud. Each person, you know, reads a paragraph. We talk about each paragraph after we read it, and it's a very, very um, rich way to get into the material. If you are in a study group where um, one person tends to do all the presenting. Uh, this is a nice alternative. Um, you know, pick a section. You don't have to understand it. You can pick a section that you don't understand well. Pick a section that you think is important, but the the, 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 the reading, um, the close reading is, I think, an extremely valuable way to, um, you know, dig into the course. Um, so, yeah, that said, um, I wanted to echo what you had read, um, you attack the real world every day and every hour and every minute, and yet you are surprised that you cannot see it. Um, if you seek love in order to attack it, you will never find it. This is kind of one of the themes of this section is this sort of back and forth of, you know, what you made real is getting in the way of what is real. And because you think it's real, you don't see what is real. And, uh, and, 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 but, but this section, you attack the real world. I think some people could read that and say, oh, so there really is a real world, and I'm attacking it, and that's why I don't see it, and, um, and, and get into a misunderstanding that somehow the world we see is real, which was the topic of, of last month's um, you know, mm -hmm. show. Uh, you know, there is no world. So if there is no world, then how can the Course say you attack the real world every day and every hour and every minute? Um, it, in, in A Course in Miracles, for those who aren't as familiar with it, the term real world is used to describe perception that is cleansed, the, the perception that comes with forgiveness. And words, when you've really completely forgiven the world and freed it of all of your insanity and projections, all of the attack, all of that, then what you behold, the Course calls the real world. I think other uh, terms for it might be um, a, a state of enlightenment 
or you know even uh maybe uh nirvana or living in a state of grace but i think it's it's the uh, the real world as the course describes it and there is a section in the uh second half of the workbook section eight um after lesson 290 that asks what is the real world and then answers it um you know but the real world is a, it says the real world is a symbol like the rest of what perception offers. That is to say, it's still in the world of perception, and God didn't create perception. Um, we we made perception. It's 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 our brainchild, if you will. But when we allow God's answer through the Holy Spirit to cleanse perception for us, um, then what we see starts looking very beautiful and very loving, not because there's anything intrinsically beautiful and loving out in the world, and not because God made it, but simply because we've we've cleansed it of all of the gunk that we put on it, and we are now seeing it through the eyes of love that is our true inheritance. So, um, you know, I think that's what it means. You attack the real world. We keep it from us. Our every thought, our every judgment our every false perception that looks at the world of things rather than the oneness of love is 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 an attack seeing separation is attack and you know because i know when i used to read lines like this i'd be you know what's the course talking about i'm not attacking anything um i'm peaceful i'm having a good day no what it's saying is that the very act of perceiving your brother as different from you of of beholding him at the level of personality and and a body that's separate um someone who you may like but you may not like him or her because you know you have different values or you grew up in different places that by definition mm-hmm. and that if we're do if we're following love you know for if love is sharing how can you find it except through itself the nature of love is to share the nature of love is to give and in this world it looks like sharing because we think we're separate at the reality of oneness it's not you can't even say it's sharing it's it's just all there is but down here where we feel like we're separate distinct individual body beings um you know limited by bodies then yes the sharing of love becomes kind of the connector the uh, the the bridge between us that lets us recognize that 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 oneness that is our true self. So that was where I wanted to start. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the last line of that paragraph. But offer attack, and love will remain hidden, for it can live only in peace. You know, if you're not peaceful, if you're not wanting peace, if you're not practicing peace, which is the same thing as saying practicing forgiveness, then yeah, love is going to escape you. So um, yeah, why don't we just? Maybe go section by section, I mean, paragraph by paragraph like that. So okay. um, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. No, that's perfect. It went right along with the notes that I made um, where I felt it was because we did last month, we did what is the, you know, there is no world. Okay. So I wanted to take that a little deeper because hmm. we're all going to say, okay, well, if there is no world, what am I looking at? Okay. You say it's an an illusion. So how can I see and touch things? So this chapter goes into it. I just want to reference a couple things. And in section one, um, it goes right into the correction of the perception. So I wanted to touch on that. It's uh, the judgment of the Holy Spirit. And it says not to ask what is it, but where is it? And so as you read the text 
you might say, you know, we must correct our perception that the world is outside of us. We're perceiving it outside of us, and but we go back to perception, which can be changed. So our perception is that the world world is outside of us, but the very truth is that what's outside of us scares us. So this one perception is the foundation of our unhappiness because we can't control anything outside of us. It's like waving your hand through fog. You can't control it. You can only smear it around. So the only way to control it is to recognize where it is and where it sources. And the correct perception is that the real world is in our mind, where we do have control through right-minded decision-making. Yet, the Course states, to find it, you must relinquish your investment in the world as you projected it. So what that's sta- saying is that I think both reflections live in our mind. There's the perception of love in the world, which we do get to witness from time to time. And there's also mm-hmm. the perception of turmoil and chaos. And I think they exist. But we have to make that choice for right-minded perception in order to see the world as it really is, which, as you said, is all about separation versus unity and it goes back to the power of thought and the power of the mind how does this illusion even exist it's because the mind believes in the world and gives it its existence as the course states so when we to the separateness it's all everything that we believe is about separateness but when we shift our perception to the unity, that is where the yeah. miracles come in and correct our perceptions. And keeping in mind, miracles are in fact what remove the blocks to our awareness of love's presence in the world. So in order to allow those miracles to come in, we really have to go in and relinquish what we've projected. If we've projected uh, love and hope, we'll see that. But if we've also projected um disdain for the self and and insecurity, we're going to see those reflected as well. So we have to go back to our mind and really understand what attack is. As you said, it's not necessarily physical attack, and we all believe ourselves to be kind people. But let's talk about attack for a few minutes, if if that's okay. So what I want to say is attack at its core is born of the belief in separation, as you said a few moments ago. The belief that we as human beings are separate and distinct individuals and not part of a larger whole consciousness. That's where we go wrong. But attack can come in many forms. Um, What we need to do is start with embracing the notion that any thought or action that takes place within you that is not love or forgiveness, love or forgiveness is fear or attack. So what that what it will then do is project outward and influence the canvas that you are gazing upon. So if we continually refer to the illusion of the world as the canvas upon which we project, we want to keep that image in mind. So the word attack, in and of itself, it connotes physical violence, but it doesn't have to take the form of physical attack. It has many others, such as the following, negative or revenge thoughts, worry, criticism, Arguments, dismissal, manipulation, trying to manipulate a situation, giving someone the cold shoulder, all the way down to daydreaming about an event that's happened where we try to invent an alternate outcome. These are all forms of attack in the mind because 
since there are only two emotions, fear and love, anything that is not love falls under the category of fear. And this is where we this is where we run into turbulence, I'll say. But most importantly, in uh course speak, the very first form of attack comes by believing that we are separate from others, that yes. that our brothers and sisters are separate. Everything stems from, from this belief, whether it's conscious or unconscious. And if you want to see a different world, you have to project purity onto it. The law of attraction is that like attracts light. Therefore, according to the Course, love is drawn to itself through you. It does not come to you in spite of your opposing thoughts to it. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. I would just add one little thing about the, 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 the first attack um, and separation it all starts when we believe we're separate from God and the moment mm. we think that we, you know, mind is such an all-powerful thing that we create this this delusion, this bubble world in which we now really do believe that we are separate and distinct from God, but that constitutes in our mind an attack on God and then we believe that, gee, if we're attacking, God's going to attack us back. So the first split, the first separation is the separation from God and then that sort of, you know, ricochets into um, separating, you know, the the Son of God, splitting up into countless myriad little bits and pieces of of of, of self, um, all of these different, you know, souls, which are really just, you know, um, separate little dollops of spirit, if you will, and then a world that reflects that separation, our, our senses reflect that separation. So, you know, once you get separation from oneness it's kind of like ideas leave not their source so you know we're part of oneness we can't leave that that's our true nature but the moment we believe that we are actually defined and created i put that in quotes by separation now the idea of separation becomes our god and everything reflects that idea of separation mm-hmm. so you know here we are in a world where it's not possible to live without something else dying. You know, you have to eat, and anything you eat, um, you have killed or, or are killing. You know, by def- I mean, and that's even true if you're a vegan. There are plants, and, you know, you're killing those plants. Mm-hmm. So, insane world. Um, a world that, as you pointed out, it, attack is just inherent to it. So we're only aware of attack at sort of one level, but at this much more basic level you know, it constitutes the entire world. So I just wanted to sort of, you know, clarify that kind of a, almost like a hierarchy of separation with attack running all the way through it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even down to controlling the way your day transpires from one moment to the next. Yeah. It's about, it's yeah. about controlling the separate, the fragmented, instead of recognizing the unity and going with that flow. Yeah, and as we go through this section, we'll see that, you know, this section probably addresses the idea of what was the what what was the separation as well as any place else in a course in miracles and walks you through that and then gives you the remedy for the separation and then what you can do to begin to actualize that remedy and then at the very end of the section um just starts talking about the real world so right. it's as as is so cool about a course in miracles it's it's holographic and every little section every paragraph in this section each one just sort of reflects and represents you know the wholeness and how how to get back to it and and this section is is no exception mhm 
Okay, where would you like to start? At the top of the section or, or what? Um, well, that was paragraph one. Now, in paragraph two, I want to, that's where I was going to go next. Now, paragraph two starts and says, God's son is as safe as his father, for the son knows his father's protection and cannot fear. His father's love holds him in perfect peace, and needing nothing, he asks for nothing. Yet he is far from you, whose self he is, and self is capitalized here. For you chose to attack him, and he disappeared from your sight into his father. This is a cool line. He did not change, but you did. Um, For a split mind and all its works were not created by the Father and could not live in the knowledge of him. So this 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 can be a very confusing paragraph because uh-huh. what it's saying is that God's Son, that is us, the collective of us, um, the original really before the separation happened and after the separation was healed, and as this section we'll talk about later, the separation never even really happening, but our true identity is preserved safe within the Father you know, for the son knows his father's protection and cannot fear. His father's love holds him in perfect peace. Needing nothing, he asks for nothing. That's the state of heaven. Uh, there are other places where the Course talks about that. You know, endless peace, the light that goes on forever. But then this line in paragraph 2, section 3, yet he is far from you whose self he is. So immediately it's like, well, wait a minute, that's myself, but it's far from me? How does that work? Well, it works because there is a split in the mind, and in a sense, at the level of eternity, nothing happened. But at the level of our little delusion here, we have driven away ourselves. And, 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 I mean, I think this is probably the best definition of insanity, is to be out of your mind, Okay. So we are out of our mind, quite literally. We're out of our mind because our mind, capital M, is still part of God's Son, lodged within God. The Son of God, in substance, is no different than God. God created the Son of God by extending that which is God, love. Um, But here we are in this completely separate reality, seeming reality, and, and, and we have this little tiny seeming mind and consciousness We've pushed away what is real, and as we'll see going um, in the next paragraphs, therefore we begin to see something that is not real. Um, Uh Thoughts on that, or does that make sense? But I think that one line, um, you know, he's describing the the, the voice of Jesus, is describing the Son of God, um, and then says, you know, yet he is far from you whose self he is, for you chose to attack him, and he disappeared from your sight into the Father. There aren't really two... Um, but the Course is addressing us as if there were two, because it has to, because that's the level at which we live. Um, you know, it's it, it's like talking to a little kid about Santa Claus, uh, although that's a nice thing. You know, you address it within the context of the belief, because you have to. Um, or it uh-huh. might be more akin to telling a little kid, uh, you know, that, that you know something terrible happened. You frame it in the way that the child will understand. God mm-hmm. reaching out to us through the Holy Spirit has to put it in this term, in these terms, so that we can realize nothing's changed. There's only one self, but holy cow, we don't see it that way. That's mm-hmm. as you were saying, Shard. That's not the world we live in, and 
then rather than addressing the problem at its source, which is the separation and our embrace of the separation, the fact that our ego mind still wants it and we believe we're an ego, rather than addressing it at the source, we try to change the world outside. And as you said, you know, if it's outside of you, you can't control it. Um, of course, we think we can and we, you know, do our best and, uh, you know, and, and plan for bad weather here in the Northeast and stockpile money for when we don't have uh, the ability to get around. And, you know, we plan for all kinds of scary contingencies. But no matter how much we plan, death will come along because bodies die. That which is separate cannot be sustained. Um, so the moment you try to change something at the level of the world, you're working at the level of the effect, not the cause. And the best you can do is what the course in the psychotherapy manual would refer to as symptom substitution. You know, mm. you're just changing one illusion for another. Um, and, uh, you know, that doesn't get you very far on the road back to heaven. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I have a little something to add to that. I yeah, wanna, good. Just, just, to, just to use a really simple fr uh, language, uh, as you mentioned, the word self in that, in that sentence, yet he is far from you who self he is. Self, meaning the higher self, and he is you and you are him. We've all heard that. For you chose to attack him. But attack, again, ladies and gentlemen, it's not so much you said something nasty to that person or you tried to hurt them. The attack, again, is the belief that he is separate from you. When, in fact, in the first half of the sentence, it says he is you and you are yes. him. So, and then, that is why he disappeared from your sight. You chose to believe in the separation, and you chose to believe that he is different from you. And then, his true identity is what disappeared from your sight, but not from his father's, who is your father. Makes right. How's that? And, and he is still you, but you don't know it anymore, and that's what the next, you know, section... You I mean, the beauty of the course really flows so well... Mm -hmm. Do you want to read the next one? Yeah, sure. Um, okay. I, oh, I also wanted oh. to add, oh, you sorry. know, part of, you know, the, the source of our unhappiness, as I said, is because we're trying so hard to control everything outside of us. But control is letting go, as we've said so many times in different segments. Control is letting go. Letting go allows acceptance. Acceptance allows your perceptions to be corrected if you are willing. But I just made a couple notes that, A, we push away what, what scares and antagonizes us, and then we work against it. All of our strenuous effort, all the strain of our lives, all the struggle, all the attempts to control perceived reality is simply a battle to deny truth. So instead of shifting over to, and we have the choice to do this, we can either shift and perceive the unity and the truth of the illusion around us, or we can remain in the chaos and the separation and recognize the darkness. It takes everything in us to maintain this posture, which is why we're all so damn tired. That's, <laughs> that's the effort. All it is is that everything we perceived is an attempt to maintain the idea of who we think we are, which is ego identification, and that is... You mentioned that he did not change, you did, because you chose to go with the ego, and everything outside of us helps us maintain the illusion of who we think we are, instead of us recognizing the truth, ourselves with capital S, and that we are children of God, and that we are all, all one. So to deny union, perfection, and love is so much harder, or so much easier, because it doesn't take so much effort, but the denial of truth, 
with all these maneuvers that we do to deny the truth that is right in front of us, that's the boulder we roll up the hill. That's what all the where all the effort is coming and, and where we devote that to because we, we are so attached to the projection that we made and then we work so hard to fight against it. That's the internal struggle we're all doing. We're all bargaining with the world to placate our fears. Meanwhile, we're trapped in a mind of opposing thoughts that then gets projected outward. At all times, we have access to heaven's peace or the world, world's turmoil. Again, it's a choice. So we have to make that choice. Do we project our inner turmoil into the illusion, or do we project peace, love, and unity? Right? Um, yeah. And and again, it, it's kind of like it's not a doing on our part. It's It's really... When we, as as some of the later sections here will will show us, it's it's about a recognition of where we think we're in control, where we think we know what's going on, where we're making a judgment, recognizing that as as the trouble, and turning that over to Holy Spirit. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's really very akin to a twelve step program, and I think uh, a Course in Miracles and Alcoholics Anonymous are pretty similar, except that AA is focused only on alcohol, and A Course in Miracles is focused on all of the um, addictive illusions of ego, which thinks that the world out there has something that you can offer it. Um, In that, you know, when you want to have a drink in AA, you realize, you know, you are powerless to control it, and you have to turn it over to a higher power, recognize that only in the act of turning it over do you stand any chance of being sober. All of your own attempts to do that, you know, I'm going to throw out all the alcohol, I'm going to move to a dry town, whatever, they all fail because you're an alcoholic. So, oh. so there's a fundamental redefinition of self that's required that says, oh, even though I'm insane, I am literally out of my right mind, um, I can begin to recognize that through the effects it's having. I'm not at peace. I'm not feeling love. I'm attacking. I'm judging. I can recognize that. And when I recognize it, now I have an opportunity to turn it over to Holy Spirit. Um, you know, Ken Wapnick, uh, who was, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, the greatest course teacher to date, um, indicated that really, you know, the only power we have is that power of decision. Uh, you know, that, that if you really look at it, all we're doing is in any given moment deciding, is it Holy Spirit and the Christ mind, or is it the world of illusion and the ego? And that we're doing that over and over and over to train ourselves. You know, for an alcoholic, if, you, if the goal is sobriety, in any given moment, it's, okay, am I going to take a drink, or am I going to turn it over, and by turning it over, realize that there's some other kind of a feeling here that feels much better than the alcohol and not take a drink. So um mm-hmm. yeah so it's it's not a, a it's not something we do um you know bodies take action uh uh you know bodies I mean even the whole idea of attack without a body you can't attack minds can't attack each other um unless they're attacking the body <laughs> you know ideas don't attack ideas extend ideas join um so it it really is that recognition of our job is to uncover and turn over to Holy Spirit. And when we do that, now, as the introduction to A Course in Miracles talks about, we're removing the obstacles to the awareness of love's presence. So what comes through? The love, the peace, the happiness. It's already there. We don't have to do anything. We have to undo. 
in right. section uh, two of, of this chapter, um, in the first paragraph, there's a wonderful line that says, the task of the miracle worker thus becomes to deny the denial of truth. You know, mm. we've denied truth. No, now we need to deny the denial of it in order to get the truth back. Right. <laughs> Sorry, I went on a... I, I think it's just a very, very important point because our ego minds come in and they want to, you know, sort of salvage some little thing. Oh, well, I'll do this or I'll do that and I'll I'll make this happen. And, and, and it's not a, you know... There's a section, I need do nothing. Um, that doesn't mean you just kick back and rest on your haunches. As you said, Shar, it takes tremendous energy to perpetuate and maintain the illusion. Um, but we have to recognize that and then and then turn it over. Exactly. Okay. That was great. No, don't apologize. Okay, so okay. let's move on to paragraph three, and you want me to read that out loud? Yeah, yeah, great. And Thanks. then we'll break it down. Okay. When you made visible what is not true... What is true became invisible to you. Yet it cannot be invisible in itself, for the Holy Spirit sees it with perfect clarity. It is invisible to you because you were looking at something else. Yet it is no more up to you to decide what is visible and what is invisible than it is up to you to decide what reality is. What can be seen is what the Holy Spirit sees. The definition of reality is God's, not yours. He created it, and he knows what it is. You who knew have forgotten, and unless he had given you a way to remember, you would have condemned yourself to oblivion. Let's break that down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just such good stuff in there. So th this carries on that idea of being out of our mind and this, the, the, the self, our true self, capital S, you know, resides safely within the protection of, of God, you know, the Father. But it says, when you made visible what is not true, what is true became invisible to you. Um, you know, if you're looking at illusion, you can't see truth. Um, if you get, I don't know, you know, uh, right up against the bark of a, tr the, a tree trunk, you can't see what's beyond it. You're staring at, you know, what, what, you, th and what you think is, is, is the only reality. So, in a sense, this is the essence of the separation. We made visible to us something that isn't real, and therefore we lose the reality. But the Course is saying, but you don't really lose it. That the re You can't do anything about reality. I mean, I have underlined in my book, the, de the definition of reality is God's, not yours. I mean, it's simple. It's almost humorous. It's kind of like, yo, dudes, you don't get to decide you know, what this is all about. And again, it harkens back to the introduction. You know, free will does not mean you get to uh, decide, you know, what the curriculum is. You only get to decide what you want to take at a, what you, want, you know, what you want to take at a given time. Mm -hmm. We, God, we think we have, um, but, you know, all of God's reality is still out there. And then the last line of this section, I mean, you know, I, this might be one of the few places in the Course where it really kind of indicates, yeah, if, if God hadn't reached in and completely undone the illusion of separation, the, you know, whatever gigasecond that it happened, um, it, you know, it says, had he not given you, and, and unless he had given you a way to remember, you would have condemned yourself to oblivion. Mm. In other words, without the bridge of the Holy Spirit, um, we would be completely lost in the illusion, you know. That such is the power of of the sun, uh, such is the power of the sun's mind. You know, we would have descended into this crazy insanity, and there would be no way out. But of mm -hmm. course, 
that's not a, that that's not even a possibility because God created us as part of God, and as you know, God is whole. So wholeness can't allow something to separate from wholeness in a real way, or wholeness is no longer whole. Um, I mean, this is this is why the course is called a non-dual metaphysical system. Non-dual means, you know, there is no two-ness to it. There is no. There's only one, and anything that doesn't that anything that isn't um, supporting the notion of oneness is illusion. Um, it, it's very clean, it's very clear, and yet it's one of the hardest concepts for people to understand. Um, and there are many students of A Course in Miracles who, who you know, who God bless, still don't get it. Um, and that's okay. I mean, it probably took me 25, 30 years to get it myself. So, um, you know, I, I know it's very hard to grasp. Um, but but that last line, you know, it's like, okay, the ego's world would have been oblivion. We, you know, we destroy ourselves, everything would die, that's it, it's mm-hmm. the end. Um, I think some of the people who, uh, you know, get overly focused on apocalyptic imagery uh, relish this idea. Um, but the idea that everything has to be destroyed for God to step back in it's really the ego's ultimate fantasy of triumph over God. See, we're going to kill and destroy everything. Nobody's worthy. We're making this judgment on everybody else except for ourselves or the select uh-huh. special few. And then God will show up uh, and tell us just how special we are. Um, but it's not about specialness. You know, one, one aspect of the sonship can't go back uh, without any other. Um, you know, there's a, a section on um, the separation um, from the next chapter, section three of uh, chapter thirteen, it says, "You were at peace until you asked for special favor. You were at peace until you asked for special favor, and God did not give it, for the request was alien to him, and you could not ask this of a father who truly loved his son. Therefore, you made of him an unloving father, demanding of him what only such a father could give, and the peace of God's son was shattered, for he no longer understood his father." In other words, in asking for specialness and asking for a division in the oneness, that the oneness become uh, a two-ness, a, a, a twelve-ness, a twelve-thousand-ness, the, the fracture of the separation going on and on, we lose our understanding of oneness. And it says, and, you know, and then the son feared what he had made, but still more did he fear his real father, having attacked his own glorious equality with him. You know, hmm. in peace, he needed nothing and asked for nothing. Uh, anyway, I don't want to get us off track with this chapter. That's but, okay. but this this paragraph, um, you know, it, it, it is, again, back to the introduction, the definition of reality is God's, not yours. That's the ultimate reassurance. You don't have the ability to destroy God. You don't have the ability to destroy yourself. You can only wander for a little while. Right. And that um, that, ta- that makes me want to touch on the subject of incarnation when, when it says, when you made visible equate it with when you chose to incarnate and yeah. participate in this 3D world. That is when we made visible and we left home and we left our true identity and we left the real true reality, which is God. So we chose yeah. to make it visible. So we came here to experience the illusion to work our way through it for all the reasons we, we discuss at every show. And then what is true became invisible to you. It was said to me that before you're born, what happens is all your knowledge – all your love, all your wisdom is placed in the subconscious mind. So as we walk through life, it's not that we're learning. We're simply remembering what we already knew. 
we've all heard that before. We're simply remembering yeah, what we already knew. Does. And so this is a process of yeah. remembering who we really are and what true reality is. This is an illusion. Heaven is the true reality, where the Course says, where forgiveness isn't even needed. Um, but knowledge is placed yes. in the subconscious mind. And then, at the end, as you quoted, you who knew have forgotten, meaning it's not con- you're not consciously aware, but it is there inside you somewhere, and there is a bridge. And his name is the Holy Spirit. And unless he had given you a way to remember, yes, you would be floating around in oblivion. But there is that thread that continues to link us to our higher selves and to God, and therefore a way by which we can remember who we are if we're willing to relinquish who we think we are and the ego identification. Yes. That's all I wanted to ask. How would you like that? Yeah, back to the introduction. You know, nothing real can be threatened. The definition of reality is God's, not yours. You can't threaten it. Um, nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God. I mean, you know, that's... That's all 1,249 pages of A Course in Miracles in, in three lines. Um, and this paragraph, you know, just kind of uh, underlines it again. You yeah. don't get to change God. Um, you can't. God made you. Um, you are the same stuff of God. You can take your time not uh, wanting to look away from that and looking at what you made instead of what, what is real. Um, but, you know, you're right. At the end of the day, uh, you don't have a choice. I mean, we all get there in the end because the end has already happened. Sure. Um, it's kind of like the, the difference between a labyrinth and a maze. Um, I didn't understand this for a long time, but, you know, on the floors of uh, on the uh, floor of the cathedral in Chartres, France, there's, you know, this complicated labyrinth. Uh, it's actually a symbol I use on my uh, psychotherapy uh, website. Um but in a maze, you can get lost. There are dead ends. A labyrinth looks like this very convoluted, complex thing that you'll never find your way through. But it's actually just one straight path that winds and winds and winds and winds. So as long as you keep walking and don't stop and don't go, ooh, what a pretty part of the labyrinth. I think I'm going to make my home here. Or, wow, I'm walking next to someone and I think I love them forever, so I'm going to stop here. As long as you keep walking, it's guaranteed that you get to the heart of the labyrinth. Mm. You can't get lost. And, and I think that's what the Course is trying to tell us, is that with the Holy Spirit's guidance, we all get there in the end. Um, but the end can be a very, very long way off from within the perception of linear time. And, you know, why delay? Uh, why be unhappy uh, or, you know, when, when you can, you know, break out of it at any point? Absolutely. Excellent. And I love the way you pronounce that. That's really great. Okay, do you want to move on to the next paragraph? Yeah, so um, I'll read paragraph four. And uh, because of your father's love, you can never forget him, for no one can forget what God himself placed in his memory. You can deny it, but you cannot lose it. This is just what we were saying. You can deny it, but you cannot lose it. A voice will answer every question you ask, and a vision will correct the perception of everything you see. For what you have made invisible is the only truth. And what you have not heard is the only answer, capital A. God would reunite you with yourself and did not abandon you in your distress. You are waiting only for him and do not know it. Yet his memory shines in your mind and cannot be obliterated. It is no more past than future, being forever, always. So here's the remedy. You know, we've we've seen 
the problem. We've seen how the separation happened. Um, here's the remedy. Uh, you know, you can deny it. You can't lose it. You know, God placed it in your mind. A voice will answer every question you ask. The voice V of voice is capitalized, and a vision will correct the perception of everything you see, if you allow it. If you allow it, um, you know, uh, and and your memory shines in his his memory shines in your mind and cannot be obliterated. It is no more past than future, being forever always. In other words, that memory doesn't exist within the space of time as we know it. It's mm-hmm. not in the past. It's not the future. It's the always, and the always permeates every moment of time because every moment of time is only one instant. Uh, you know, the the time of terror, as the Course calls it, the the moment that we believed in the separation, um, and that instant is already gone. So God is, you know. God is available to us through the Holy Spirit everywhere and always. But what I would zero on in this paragraph is that line, a voice will answer every question you ask, and a vision will correct the perception of every... You know, that there is the essence of A Course in Miracles. Develop, uh, you know, the workbook lessons help us to listen and to hear the voice of spirit as opposed to the voice of ego that always answers first. Um, and it helps us to cultivate Christ's vision, which sees not the body, um, but looks beyond it to, you know, to the oneness, to the light, to the love in your brother, which is the same as the light in you. So I have a big star next to that line in my book because, yeah, there it is. There's your solution. There's your remedy. That's that's the way back. Yeah, I have that highlighted too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love well, that. we're all line. one mind, right? We're, we're we're working on it. Char and I are working to find our way home. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And you know, we all go at different paces. So don't beat yourself up if if you don't get yeah. this to the extent to, you know, go at your own pace, be kind to yourself, simply allow and and allow, you know, the Holy Spirit to work through you. That's that's all you can do and he knows what you can handle, so don't don't worry about pushing yourself to get this to a, a level higher than uh, you're able to today, because tomorrow will be different. All right, do you want to yeah, move on to and, the next paragraph? Yeah, and the Holy Spirit will never teach through fear. If you try to go too fast, uh, you wind up with, you know, getting afraid that the little self that you thought was you is going to disappear, and that, you know, becomes equated with death, and, uh, yeah. you know, you can only go as fast as... Uh, as you can go. Um, You know, what is the line? The Holy Spirit's voice is as loud as your willingness to listen. It cannot be louder without violating your freedom of choice, which the Holy Spirit seeks to restore and never to undermine. But yeah, let's let's go on. Do you want to read uh, five? I do, I do. Um, You have but to ask for this memory and you will remember. Yet the memory of God cannot shine in a mind that has obliterated it and wants to keep it so. For the memory of God can dawn only in a mind that chooses to remember and that has relinquished the insane desire to control reality. You who cannot even control yourself should hardly aspire to control the universe. But look upon what you have made of it and rejoice that it is not so. I love when there's a bit of personality that comes through with Jesus or or when he speaks in the first person but I love when he says things like that to the line where he says um this to praise God hardly means to offer him compliments he has no ego with which to accept yeah. such things yeah, and this reminds me line. of that and and there it is again all you have to do is ask for the memory and you will remember it you that means ask 
and in, in asking, it shows your willingness. Once willingness is detected by the Holy Spirit, okay, then he can go in and trigger that memory, and then you start to get a shimmer and a glimmer of who you really are and what real reality Precisely. is. Okay, and Precisely. the memory of God cannot shine in a mind that has obliterated, which demonstrates your unwillingness, which demonstrates your resentment or your sense of victimhood that God has done these things to you or the world that God created has done these things to you. We must keep in mind that the world, while it can be proven scientifically, doesn't matter. But what we perceive of it is what we've made of it. And the memory of God can shine on that and clear up all your misperceptions, but not if you hold on to, want to keep it so, and not if you hold on to the perception that you, the, the conclusion you've drawn about what the world is, about what reality is, and what God's role is in it. So he cannot do that without your willingness. For the memory of God can dawn only in a mind that chooses to remember. Okay, I just went over that. And that has relinquished the insane desire to control reality. If If this is an illusion, it's impossible to control it. As I said earlier in the show, the only thing you have control over is your own mind. You who cannot even control yourself should hardly aspire to control the universe. That's a pretty grandiose statement, meaning that the ego will tell you that you can. But with right-minded perception, you realize why would you even try. But look upon what you have made of it and, and rejoice that there's nothing to do with it. There's absolutely nothing you need do except be at peace. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's a all, wonderful paragraph. What what did you want to add? I'm um, I think I I think um, I was concise in what I wanted to say. Yeah, no, that, I think you you nailed it. I would add just two little um, other quotes from different parts of the course that that kind of reinforce this from the section um, right before the attraction of love for love. There's a great line that I'm very fond of. It says, "And from what you want, God does not save you." In other words, if you are investing in the illusion, if you go, well, you know, yeah, I believe God's out there, but, you know, I want a Mercedes-Benz. Not that there's anything wrong with Mercedes-Benzes, but, um, you know, from what you want, God does not save you. God, the Holy Spirit, can't come in until we ask. So if if the, the, the paragraph just before this, you know, offers sort of the remedy, this tells you how to activate it. You know, uh, a voice will answer and a vision will correct, but you have to ask for the memory that brings those in. You have to want that, and if you want anything else, then, you know, you don't get it. The memory of God cannot shine in a mind that has obliterated it and wants to keep it so. From what you want, God does not save you. And then there's another line, um, you know, maybe 50 pages later, that's one of my favorites, cannot enter darkness when a mind believes in darkness and will not let it go. You know, Mm. if we're committed to looking at what's invisible or to staring into darkness, that blank screen, then light can't come in because... You know, that is where free will comes in. You know, God isn't going to violate that. The Holy Spirit cannot come except where we've welcomed him in. Um, But so, you know, this is the memory. uh, I mean, this is the, you know, this is how you activate it. Ask. And and the the way you describe that by looking at that dark screen, that's that's a very good definition for depression, which is like a self-imposed prison. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, within the world of... You know, I mean, depression, yeah, you're, you're, everything looks much darker and, uh, you know, you can't find anything that feels good. 
Um, but in a certain sense, then, you know, we're all living and laboring in a world that's nothing but depression because we're not letting the light in and we're not letting the love in. And, you know, when we haven't asked for the answer yet. Um, exactly. So the, the next section, um, and, and we might actually finish this in an hour. Uh, I'd like I, to. I sure. yeah. yeah, so would I. Um, the next section go, reads, you know, son of God, be not content with nothing. What is not real cannot be seen and has no value. God could not offer his son what has no value, nor could his son receive it. And this is the part I love. You were redeemed the instant you thought you had deserted him, God. Everything you made has never been and is invisible because the Holy Spirit does not see it. Yet what he does see is yours to behold, and through his vision your perception is healed. You have made invisible the only truth that this world holds. Valuing nothing, you have sought nothing. By making nothing real to you, you have seen it. But it is not there. That's italicized. And Christ is invisible to you because of what you have made visible to yourself. So this continues the theme of, you know, seeing what really isn't there. And because we see what isn't there, we don't see what really is there. Um, Back to attacking the real world, back to asking for the uh, memory of God, back to, you know, I mean, it's a very cohesive and coherent section of of the course, um, as most of them are. Um, But, you know, but quite beautiful. Everything you made has never been. Um, you know, you were redeemed the instant you thought you had deserted him. The separation never occurred. You know, the self, the, the true self of the Son of God is still safe within the Father. Um, and we are safe within the Father, but through this trick of, of memory and darkness, we think we're not. Mm. That's, that's a tricky statement. You were redeemed the instant you thought you had deserted him. And it it, it gives me the image of the minute you recognize that you thought you had deserted him, you realize you did not, and that you cannot be separate from your creator. Yeah. And there's and there's your redemption right there. Yeah, I mean, in a very simple and kind of stupid analogy, it's almost like, and, and most of us have had this experience of, oh my God, where did I put the car keys or my passport or something really important, and you're just, you know, you're flooded with fear and anger, and you're looking all over, and all of a sudden, you know, they turn up in the most obvious place. It's like it was never lost. You know, you're thinking, oh, did I leave it at the bus depot? Did someone steal it? Um, and, 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 you know, there they are, right there. And in that moment, you realize nothing ever happened, that you created this whole crazy insanity of, of, of fear and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. defense for absolutely no reason whatsoever. What you right. thought happened never occurred. And right. and, and, and the Course is saying, that's it. That's the world you live in. You know, you think you lost your God keys, but you didn't. Um, they never went anywhere. I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. And it's like, you know, looking for something, and you just don't see it. It's there. You just don't yes. see it. You have to relax. You have to be at peace in order to recognize it, and then you find your God keys. That's crazy. Exactly. Oh, my God. And then you can crazy. open the door to heaven. <laughs> And get to work. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's do uh, paragraph right. seven. There are eight in yep. total. Okay. Yet it does not matter how much distance you have tried to interpose between your awareness and truth. God's Son can be seen because his vision is shared. The Holy Spirit looks upon him and sees nothing else in you. What is invisible to you is perfect in his sight and encompasses all of it. 
He has remembered you because he forgot not the Father. You looked upon the unreal and found despair. Yet by seeking the unreal, what else could you find? The unreal world is a thing of despair, for it can never be. And you who share God's being with him could never be content without reality. What God did not give you has no power over you, and the attraction of love for love remains irresistible. For it is the function of love to unite all things unto itself, and to hold all things together by extending its wholeness. That makes me want to cry. Yeah. Makes me well, want to cry. Because it reminds us of home. Yeah. And that urge that, that you know, that urge for love, the, the craving for love, the yearning, there's the word, the yearning, there's mm. this inner yearning, and we're always searching for it. And we might put different labels to it, but mostly we can't put our finger on it. It's God for me. Yes, so, for so all of us. Yeah. But we don't know it. You know, we look for it in a thousand forms and guises that aren't God and therefore turn out to be empty, you know, that the egos seek but do not find. Um, and, and, and here it is. I mean, those last couple lines, you know, for it is the function of love to unite all things unto itself, because love, like God, I mean, they're, they're the same. It's, it's a oneness. And to hold all things together by extending its wholeness. And therefore... No, you can't find love just by going into deep meditation and being with God. As good as that feels, you have to heal the split of the sonship by allowing the Holy Spirit to re look through you and see the, the the God in in your brother as well. That's how you know. That's how we heal the split. That's how we get to the real world. Yes, and when it says, "What God did not give you has no power of you." Look at the power we give the ego, uh, the need to survive um, material things. Uh, we want bigger, better, faster. You know, we, we want to win. We want to outdo the other. You know, there's always the evil of comparison. These things have no power over you, but you give the power to them. Yes. And and God did not give you that. What He did give you is the ability to get into the right mind. And have your perceptions corrected by the Holy Spirit. He gave you Jesus. He gave you the Holy Spirit. And that's all we really need. But that demonstrates the power that we give this world. And then we we wonder why it has such a hold on us. It's the reverse. Yeah. You're giving it. And it just is reflected back. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we are very invested in this world. Uh, you know, I was reading, I don't know, I think it might have been on Facebook, uh, a post by a course student who was saying that, you know, in doing the lessons, he felt like he could, you know, get in tune with holiness. But, you know, the instant he put the book down and, you know, walked out of the room, the whole world of illusion comes, you know, crashing in. It's like he's immediately the captive of it. Well, you know, I mean, how many years did it take us? Uh, and, and, and not even looking at past lives, but you know, uh, or, or alternate lives. How many years does right. it take, you know, to really learn to, to perceive uh, the world you see? You know, yeah. I mean, it takes a baby about six months to realize that that thing waving in front of its face is its own hand and, right. and that it actually has the ability to move that hand. So it's taken us decades to learn um, to see illusion, uh, at least within a given lifetime, we can be patient and, and, and learn to you know, practice and unwind it. But the more you do it, and this is why I think um, 
you know, I, I think so many of us don't just go through the workbook once and go, oh, that was good, I'm done, you know, I feel yeah. enlightened. No, you realize at the seconds, end. Bob. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Sorry. All right. Okay, I should I read the last paragraph? Or we, we don't have or time, we, we have five stop? seconds now. Anyway, okay. chapter 12, section 8, read the last paragraph, send us any questions you have. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless and be at peace. Okay.